Good morning. Welcome to Litchfield United Church of Christ podcast. Today is Sunday, May 16th, 2021. I ask now that you please join me in our opening prayer. Lord, when you walked on dusty roads or sat by glistening waters, you met people where they were. When you bent down low to touch the leper or raised your eyes to touch Zacchaeus's heart, heaven and earth were met. And so our prayer today is that our world will know your healing touch and your forgiving heart. That those who have been hurt by insincere actions and words will hear your healing voice. That those whose lives are filled with dark thoughts or unimaginable fears will know your peace. Walk beside those who are close to giving up hope and where life seems to have no point, where people struggle to make ends meet and fear the knock on the door. May all who weep and mourn or feel abandoned and unloved turn towards your voice, move towards your arms, and hear the whisper of your presence in the long hours of the night. Inspire us and encourage us to bend down low, to embrace those for whom society has no time or patience. Raise our eyes upwards to see the struggling patient and the exhausted caregiver. And where young and old stumble and fall, may we be there to offer support that all will know your love that transcends all others. Heavenly God, you know our hearts, you know our needs, and you know the hearts of those around us and their needs. May we reflect your peace and hope to a world that so desperately needs your presence and healing. At this time, we bring to you the names of those that are on our hearts and minds, those we love and those we may not know, but who are in need of your healing touch. The family of Scotty Parker, J.D. Wilburn, Josh Peters, Gail Chaplin, Bob Schaefer, Michaela Riley and Mary Sampson, Lynn Melnick, The Wolf Family, Shane, Jared, Mike, Shannon, and Faith, Ted Black, Tim Hall, Scott Singleton, Carissa, Gary Longbottom, Robert Longbottom, Jim Berger, Ray Newhouser, Jim Walkham. We pray that your blessings be upon them and those who love and care for them. And we pray that they may find encouragement and peace, that their sorrows and concerns be transformed into comfort and their loneliness into fellowship with you. Heavenly God, thank you for the answered prayers that you give to us each and every day. Merciful God, accept these prayers for the sake of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So we're continuing with our sermon series, and we're in week four. And this week we're going to fly the kite. Our scripture reading is from Zechariah 4, verses 6 through 10. He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. What are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring out the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of his house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that it all depends on your strength and not on ours. Help us to rely on your strength. Help us to be empowered by your Holy Spirit in all we do. Amen. On November 9, 1847, a civil engineer named Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build a bridge across the Niagara Gorge. The question, of course, was when and where and how do you get the first cable across an 825-foot chasm with 225-foot cliffs on either side? Enter Theodore Graves Hullett a local iron worker who suggested, of all things, get this, a kite flying contest. And no kidding, that's what he did. And it was a 15-year-old boy named Homan Walsh who won the $10 cash prize for flying the first kite across the chasm. The day after that flight, a stronger line was attached to that kite string, then a rope, then a cable consisting of 36 strands of 10-gauge wire. It would become the world's first railway suspension bridge, strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive. It all started with one kite string, and it always does. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. So today, let's talk about habit number four, fly the kite. I know people who say they'll give more when they make more. And I want to say that I'm not buying what they're selling. If you aren't generous with a little time, a little talent, and a little treasure, you won't be generous when you have a lot. Generosity always starts right here in your heart. 
I know people who say they'll serve more when they have more time. Yeah, no. You don't find time. You make time. I know people who say they'll step up when the big opportunity presents itself. If you aren't seizing the small opportunities that are all around you all the time, you aren't going to step up when the big opportunity presents itself. Here's the bottom line and the big idea. How you do anything is how you'll do everything. If you're faithful with a little, you will be faithful with a lot. So go ahead and dream big. Show us the size of your dream and we'll show you the size of your God. Don't go after a dream that is destined to fall unless you have divine intervention. But you can't just dream big. You have to start small and think long. That, my friends, is what flying the kite is all about. A single kite string can eventually become a bridge that connects two countries. Let's talk about our scripture reading from Zechariah chapter 4. And let me set the scene. Zerubbabel is the leader of the remnant that returned to Judah with a God-sized vision to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed in 586 B.C. Half a century later, the Lord says to Zerubbabel, as Zerubbabel looks at the ruins, It's not by my might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I know that without the Holy Spirit, I am below average. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but I do. But God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. And the good news is this. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you can do anything. And why? Because the Holy Spirit is the X factor. The Holy Spirit is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Let me let you in on a little secret. God wants to do things in you and through you that are beyond your ability, beyond your resources, and beyond your imagination. Why? So he gets the glory. How? By his spirit. What are you, mighty mountain? There comes a moment when you stop talking to God about your mountains and you start talking to the mountains about your God. And that's one way we flip the script, which was habit number one. You declare God's power, God's grace, God's peace, God's love, God's glory, God's goodness, God's healing. You don't deny the obstacles or the odds. You confront the brutal facts, but you do it with unwavering faith. You exercise your authority as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, as a citizen of this thing called the kingdom of God. Every prayer has to meet a twofold litmus test, meaning it has to be in the will of God and for the glory of God. If it's not, it's a non-starter. 
But if it is, look out. I have no idea what mountain is staring you in the face. The mountain of anxiety or addiction or anger. The mountain of injustice or unforgiveness. The mountain of depression or frustration or fear. It might even be a mountain range. And that is when and where I fall back on what I know for sure. God is still the God who makes sidewalks through the sea. God is still the God who makes the sun stand still. God is still the God who turns water into wine. God is still the God who moves mountains. Testimony is prophecy. What does that mean? It means that if God did it before, God can do it again. If God did it for me, God can do it for you. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain for him. You've got several habits in this one passage. You flip the script which is habit number one, by speaking to the mountain. You play offense by exercising your authority. You declare the will of God, the glory of God. You've also got habit number two, kiss the wave. The obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way. You don't go around the mountain. By faith, God will get you to the other side, and you'll be a bigger person, a better person because of it. You have the authority to move mountains. How do you move mountains? With faith as small as a mustard seed. How can something so small move something so big? That's where we get to habit number three, eat the frog. It's those high leverage habits that have a domino effect over time. Remember, if you want God to do the super, you have to do the natural. Let's look at verse 10 in our scripture this morning. And that is where we fly the kite of faith. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. Whether it's the plummet line or the kite string, it's the same difference. A plummet line or plumb line was an ancient measuring tape. Stop and think about this. God is rejoicing before they even begin building. They don't have permits yet. They haven't even broken ground. All they have is blueprints, and God is giving them a standing ovation. God isn't just great because nothing is too big, and yes, he can move mountains. God is also great because nothing is too small. He celebrates the small steps of faith, the small acts of kindness, the small acts of generosity, the small acts of stewardship. We want to do amazing things for God, but that isn't our job. God is the one who does amazing things 
for us. Our job is to consecrate ourselves to God one day at a time. If we do our job, God will do his. If we fly the kite, God will build the bridge. We are easily overwhelmed by the size and scope of our goals and dreams. That's why 75% of New Year's resolutions fail within the first month. Did you know that there are approximately 83% of people that want to write a book? Very few do. Why? Well, you cannot finish what you do not start. It doesn't matter whether it's writing a book, running a marathon, or getting a graduate degree. You've got to reverse engineer your goals and turn them into daily habits. Then you fly the kite, just like Holman Walsh did. So let me try to make this as simple as one, two, three. Three keys to kite flying. One, give yourself a start date. Two, go ahead and dream big, but start small. And three, if you want every day to count, count the days. So first, we're going to start with giving yourself a start date. When Mark Batterson was 22, he felt called to write. And there was one problem with that. He had taken a graduate assessment around the same time that showed he had a low aptitude for writing. In other words, his assessment was telling him, whatever you do, don't write books. Writing was not a natural gift for him. Remember, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. But here's the deal. You can't just pray like it depends on God. You also have to work like it depends on you. That's what Mark did. The way Mark flew the kite was by reading books. He read 3,000 books before writing one. He reverse engineered those books. He started turning sermons into devotionals and sent them out via email. He started a blog to practice writing. 13 years later, he still hadn't written a book and finally got fed up. Mark decided to fly the kite and he gave himself a deadline. He decided that he wasn't going to turn 35 without a book to show for it. A dream without a deadline is dead on arrival. Some of you have been dreaming of this, that, and the other things for years. You cannot finish what you do not start. Do you have a dream? Do you feel like it's something God is calling you to do? If it's not, it's going to be really hard. If it is, delayed obedience is disobedience. You've got to give yourself a deadline, but I'll back it up one step. You've got to give yourself a start date. So let me get rid of a few of the most common excuses. Excuse number one, I'm not qualified. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough experience. Who does? Remember, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. No doubt he wants to use your strong hand, but God also uses our weak hand. His power is made perfect 
perfect in our weakness. Excuse number two, I'm not ready. You weren't ready to get married. You weren't ready to have kids. You weren't ready to pastor a church, etc., etc., etc. Newsflash, if you wait until you're ready, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. If God puts it in front of you, if God gives you a green light, it's go, set, ready. Excuse number three, I'm waiting for the right situation. George Bernard Shaw says, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. He goes on to say, I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. And if they can't find them, they make them. It is what it is. You can complain about the situation you find yourself in, or you can make the most of it. You will never find a perfect situation. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the cloud will not reap. What do we do? We fly the kite. Or in the words of Solomon, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Go ahead and dream big, but start small. And I might add, think long. How do you do that? You've got to reverse engineer those life goals and turn them into daily habits. And if there's a fourth key to flying the kite, it might be go public because it will help you stay accountable when you announce your intention to others. It all comes back to this. You need an uncompromising commitment to continual improvement. It's little by little. And it will pay compound interest. All of that to say this, go ahead and dream big. But you have to start small. You have to find a way to fly the kite a little higher every day. If you do that, some impossibly high mountains will become level plains. The ceiling becomes the floor. And you can go after even bigger dreams. You have to start small, but you also have to think long. It's always easy to get discouraged when you're going after a God-sized goal, and that's why 75% of New Year's resolutions fail. Sometimes it feels like our goals are getting further and further away. Honestly, we all want to throw in the towel on our goals at one point or another. But it's in moments like that that you need to remember the future. Well, what does that mean? You can't lose faith in the end of the story. You have to remind yourself of what you're doing and why you're doing it. It's like the parable about the three bricklayers. And I have no idea if this is allegory or an actual story, but after the fire of 1666 that leveled most of London, Christopher Wren was commissioned to rebuild St. Paul's Cathedral. One day in 1671, Wren was observing three bricklayers on the same scaffold. He asked them what they were doing. The first bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. The second bricklayer said, I'm building a wall. 
The third bricklayer said, I'm building a cathedral to the glory of God. Same task, very different mindset. One of them was thinking long. One of them was remembering the future. When you forget the future, you trade your birthright for a bowl of soup, just like Esau. You forfeit your future because you aren't thinking long. In everything we do, we've got to be thinking about the third and fourth generations. And three, if you want every day to count, count the days. Okay, so who knows how many days they have held their current job. Not years, but days. I'll tell you who. Someone who is making the most of those days. If you want every day to count, count the days. If you don't count the days, you're discounting them. That's not just a play on words. It's an approach to life that lives each day like it's the first day and last day of your life. I've asked the question throughout this series, can you do it for a day? Anybody can do anything for a day. And then you've got to get up and do it all over again. If you do that two days in a row, it's called a winning streak. That's what flying the kite is all about. I don't care if it's a marathon training plan or a daily Bible reading plan. Failing to plan is planning to fail. You have to count days just like you count calories. If you give yourself a start date, if you start small and think long, if you count the days, it won't just add up. God will multiply your efforts so that 5 plus 2 equals 5,000. Another way of saying that is this. If you want to break records, you need to keep records. You've got to measure what matters. If it's not measurable, it's not manageable. Part of counting the days is celebrating your progress. You have to celebrate what you want to see more of. You have to mark the milestones and celebrate the winning streaks. You have to praise God for partial miracles. Let me close with this. Look what the Lord has done. In the words of the prophet Zechariah, don't despise the day of small beginnings. We think right here, right now. God is thinking nations and generations. We think what God has for us is for us, but it's also for the third and fourth generation. We overestimate what we can do in a year, but we underestimate what God can do in two or five or ten years. I'm not sure what goal you're going after, what problem you're trying to solve, what habit you're trying to break or build, but you have to fly the kite. How? You give yourself a start date. You can't finish what you do not start. You dream big, but you start small and think long. Long obedience in the same direction. And if you want every day to count, you count the days. There are decades when nothing happens. And there are days 
when decades happen? What kite do you need to fly? What are you waiting for? Fly your kite. Win your day. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I ask now that you join me in our closing benediction. May our day be blessed by moments of quietness, light in our darkness, strength in our weakness, grace in our meekness, joy in our gladness, peace in our stillness. May our day be blessed. Amen. Thank you.